Welcome back to Artificially Intelligent, the podcast about building an AI startup in 16 weeks of nights and weekends. My name is Jacob Anderson, and I'm back with Colin, my day job boss. Before recording, I shared a really rough draft of our long-term vision in the form of a one-page manifesto. We're going to talk through it, but how valuable long-term planning is or is not for a startup. The second half of this episode is all about naming. Ryan and I are finally picking a name, and as of editing this episode, we've locked in our choice. Sayora. S-A-Y-O-R-A. What do you think? We'll talk through the process, the meaning, and more in this episode. Let's get into it. Hi, Colin. How's hey, it going? Hey, not bad. How are you? Not too bad. Very, very busy, but good busy. <laughs> <laughs> People always say that in a slightly manic way, and it's uh, <laughs> yeah, kind of good busy. <laughs> well, the upshot is I get to sleep on Friday, so I'm yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, <laughs> the end of the week. <laughs> yeah, it'll all be done. It'll all be done. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, thanks for joining me again. I've got some interest in progress. Mm-hmm. Um, and a question for you. Uh, we've done a little bit of thinking on our brand naming, and I actually wanted to pitch it to you to see what you think. It's okay. a sort of acid test. Sure. Um, but before we get into that, I want you to just give a bit of an update on the progress that we've made so far. So me and Ryan have both been working away on slightly separate things and then coming together and collaborating on them um, asynchronously. So I've been working on... Uh, manifesto which is i mean basically just a document which crystallizes a lot of the ideas that we've had in various meetings and mood boards and all of these just different kind of things mm-hmm. um and you've had a you've had a read of an early an early draft of that mm-hmm. so in a minute i'd love to hear what you think um and we've also done some thinking on our values because we thought it was really important to to figure that out from the start and figure out you know what's going to kind of guide us yeah um a little bit more thinking on um and actually some prototyping on our uh, on sam is what we're calling it at the moment uh, an artificially intelligent business partner and um some good work on technical architecture uh so we're <sighs> I feel like we're going really, really wide at the moment, but we're just about to come in and focus on building our first sort of mini product. So we started, I started with the manifesto and from there we figured out quite a lot of things. Um, like I say, you've had a, an early, an early, uh, our read of an early draft yeah. of it. What, what was your take? This is the manifesto that I shared with Colin before the episode started. Let me read it out for you. How many times have you spotted a problem, an inefficiency, or an injustice in the world and imagined a solution using the rapidly advancing technology around you? You might imagine a product that you can make money from, or a resource that could benefit society, from your local community to the world. Who's to say not both? You see a way to change what's not working now and make it work in the future. You have a dream. You have a vision. To create the future, you need to take a leap into the unknown. The first step is to crystallize the idea, write it down, live with it, start figuring out how to build it and what steps to take. Unfortunately, this is usually where it all stops. How many people have missed an opportunity to change not just the lives of others, but their own? We dread to think. Because even if you knew how to code it, market it, make money from it, it still feels like a lot for one person spending nights and weekends on it. But still, you're committed. Some people start small as indie hackers, solopreneurs. Others find co-founders, 
someone with skills you lack. Someone to collaborate with and share the cognitive load with. Or you might hire someone, but for that, you'll need a runway, money in the bank. AI is augmenting the abilities of individuals and small teams in a way that nobody was prepared for. We, the creators, are committed to creating an artificially intelligent partner, an innovation engine able to understand you and your idea, the problem you're solving and who it's for. An ethical, diversely skilled and air-gapped machine serving your objectives. We see a future where individuals and small groups can use AI to solve the problems that we humans face, inequalities in our society, poverty and everything else. The playing field can and must be leveled. Now more than ever in history, individuals have an opportunity to become entrepreneurs and innovators, lifting themselves and the people around them. If we want it badly enough, we can make an equitable future by empowering all of society to benefit from AI. We invite you to join us because it would be wrong not to try. What's the, what's the goal of it, of the manifesto, of our manifesto? I think it's actually for us at the moment. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's almost literally, it's like a manifestation of all of the things that we want to do and achieve. So like, it's, it's a bit like the first version of it was almost just like a sales pitch, right? Mm-hmm. It was just trying to explain to someone else because we wanted to explain to ourselves that like we wanted to be able to confidently answer the question. So what are you working on? <laughs> Cause up yeah, until, yeah. up until then we hadn't really been able to do it other than we're going to do some cool shit with AI and it's going to benefit business people and, and, um, and UX people and all that kind of stuff. So, um, by going down that road, we kind of figured out that the same tech that we're looking to build that is going to benefit, um, UX researchers and, and founders is actually, it can be applied to other areas of the business. Um, and that's, that's like the long-term where we want to get to. Okay. So, so it's gone. So there's one, so the one, the version you gave me, mm. a lot of it is around who it's for, mm. which is cool. Obviously you're targeting in on who you're solving a problem for. I got a lot less about what the problem was you were solving. Mm-hmm. So I feel like um, even if it is just for you and it's not a sales pitch, maybe there needs to be a bit more in there. Like I think there's one one line that describes a little bit actually what it solves. Um, and it's quite, it, it sounds a bit like you've kind of gone, like you say, you've gone wide. So yeah. you've gone from marketing up to basically somebody who's just going to help you with everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that always feels dangerous. So that, that was my first thought, certainly. Yeah. So the I think what that comes back to is probably how we want to build it. Because I think it's fair to say that we don't really know exactly what it's going to look like, but we know kind of what the system is. And we're trying to, we're starting to figure out how it's going to actually work under the hood. Mm -hmm. And we won't really know what it can do until we build it almost. Yeah. yeah. So the way that we want to build it is kind of similar to how Tesla built Tesla. (laughs) Or, (laughs) you know, we're going to buy a, we're going to buy a Lotus. And we're going to stick an electric engine in it, and we're going to, and we're going to just little, kind of like little bit by little bit build out the capabilities that we want to, and push to see what we can do with it. And the first, the first part of that is going to be this um, landing page analyzer. And there's a few kind of parts of that under the hood that will um, that will feed into the 
to the main app. So yeah. one of the things that we've done on that practically at the moment is figuring out how do we how do we have a natural language interface where you can either speak or use text and manip and let uh, um, say like an instance of GPT four generate the UI for you. Mm -hmm. So there's no fixed UI. It just sort of creates what it needs in order to express its response. So we've been figuring out the practicalities of that and how we might make that work. And in this kind of really, really small scale example, um, it's pretty much as simple as um, press these buttons to sign up or it's here's this markdown element and it's got all your copy in it and there might be some highlights in it and sort of little comment boxes. But yeah. the thing that we're trying to kind of use that project for is to figure out how can we generatively um well how can we build a ui generatively where we don't necessarily specify the, the structure but we try and give um an llm the, the the sort of tools to to express it in a way that makes sense and it's um it's it's not the easiest thing we've got a few really good ideas we've got a few examples actually working yeah um and i guess yeah it's like the point of the manifesto to go back to your original question is to try and imagine what the future looks like so we can at least try and work our, our way towards it. Yes. Hmm. And maybe it lost along the way, but it's okay. so, yeah. I mean, I, I think in some cases, like in a lot of cases, it's a good idea to have a really specific idea where you're going, but in other, other times it's actually totally fine to go. I'm just going to play. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to, I feel like you're, it sounds like you're in a situation where you might be tempted to over um, design think it. So manifestos mm. and personas and all that kind of mm. stuff. And actually, this is all new enough and you don't have a clue enough and, and actually you're agile enough and you have no requirement on deadline and all that kind of stuff that it's almost not worth doing that stuff because you actually do not have a clue. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you're not going to figure it out by writing a manifesto. Um, but I, I get the kind of security around it, especially because of uh, kind of it ties into marketing and sales and all that kind of stuff, which is a big part of your role. But I don't know. I, I, I might be tempted just to get rid of all of that stuff and just keep playing until you get more of a, more of an idea. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like you're looking for funding or anything like that or support or anything like you guys are just doing this yourself. So at this point, don't get, don't get um, lost down the road of doing things that actually it's mainly just because other people would ask you to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I guess that we did kind of ask ourselves to do it because yeah. we had to, we had to pull together, you know, lots of kind of disparate thoughts and figure out what does it look like if you stick it all together. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, in, an, in, a, in a way, that is kind of play because we've yeah. allowed ourselves to think like, what would, um, what might it look like if you could have a uh, like uh, an, uh, an entity, an artificial yeah. intelligent entity yeah. with a lot of knowledge, um, a lot of domain knowledge, a lot of knowledge on you your customers your business and you give yeah. a lot of tools like what might that look like what might that enable people to do mm -hmm. you know yeah, and tell then, that story that kind of um yeah. sketch out that possibility i mean yeah absolutely that's i like that like that's kind of just thinking up harebrained ideas of what it might look like in five years time yeah um yeah and that feels like part of the experimentation for sure yeah 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 but i agree i mean like it's not it's kind of it's kind of done for now you mm. know it, it yeah, served yeah. its purpose for us yeah 
Um, and it might be that it spins into something public or something that we use in a different way in the future. But for us now, the job that it's done is it's is it has is given us that like yeah exactly what you say. What might it look like in yeah. in five years or? Um, I mean, more realistically, to, to, to build what we've explained in there would definitely require funding and a team and all sorts yeah. of things and for technology to move on. So, like, it's completely unrealistic mm -hmm. in terms of, like, what can be done now. But it at least lets us figure out what are the little things that we want to do that kind of move in that direction. Yeah. And yeah. that's cool. kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. No, I can – yeah, there's definitely – Maybe what I said is absolute nonsense because maybe you do have to have some kind of um, well, you always have to have a plan. You always have to mm -hmm. have to have a plan. But I sometimes find myself going down. In fact, it's kind of on my mind because of um, a recent strategy thing that I did, uh, mm -hmm. like following a couple of different um, processes, uh, which I've long felt I should be doing, and I'm not doing a good job by not doing them. But actually, <laughs> they just end up. Uh, either they don't end up relevant to your context or they just tell you what you already know, which in some cases is fine because it means it, it, uh, it kind of, um, it confirms your gut feeling. Uh, but I think certainly in the early days, yeah, you can, uh, a lot of it is gut. I, I think a lot of people like kind of discount that as, um, as nonsense and you have to have process and plan. But I think at the stage you're at, a lot of it is just gut feel. Um, yeah. If you know your market well enough, uh, follow that, follow your nose on that stuff. And then um, the plans may become later once you have to try and explain it far more clearly to other people because you either have to get them to buy it or get them to invest in it. <laughs> yeah. Before we move on, can you tell me a little bit about how you did the very like first plans for Alitu? How did you pull that together? Well, so there's a quite specific example then because I the first plans for Alitu came out of the fact that I went through a an incubator for a year back in 2015, I think. So what's that, eight years ago now? Uh, because it was after I'd done my PhD and I'd already been running um, the podcast host uh, as a part-time gig. But after I finished my PhD, I took on that full-time and used some of my, my research stuff to try and grow out some courses and things like that. But the bulk of that year was really just figuring out how to turn this kind of almost part-time education thing and content and all that kind of stuff into a business. And one of the outcomes for that was the idea around the software. Uh, so towards the end of the year, I was working with people on that incubator to ask, ask for funding, essentially. Um, and it was there's uh, some really specific uh, programs that they run in Scotland, uh, and they have an equivalent in England as well, but it's a UK-specific thing for sure called a SMART grant Um What's that stand for now? I don't know if I even know. Smart. It's a, it's an acronym, I think, <laughs> but I'm not even sure what it stands for. Uh, but that was what solidified it. I had to go through a proper formal application process to apply for that grant. Uh, and a lot of that was quite well guided, as in you've got to create a project plan with outcomes, milestones, uh, risk factors, risk analysis, all that kind of stuff. Uh, plan for the team, plan for marketing, market share, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so it was very guided and very formal, which is um, not necessarily the most fun way to go about it, but certainly, certainly easier and more structured. So that was that was how that all happened in the, the very first time around. Cool. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> that's quite a, quite a good environment to do that in, I guess. And you're kind of <laughs> being forced to you're being forced to actually get that out of your brain for a reason. Yeah. Whereas we're like, you're right. I mean, we are we're we're largely doing this for fun. Obviously we want to make some money out of it and we want to, we want to turn it into something. That'd be great. But 
we're not um we're not beholden to anything we don't have to fill in yeah. any forms for anyone yeah. or we just have to like tell you and the guys listen to this and, and sometimes yeah. twitter like that's it <laughs> so it probably is quite helpful to have quite a um well i mean that's a lie i i guess in a way because we did we gave ourselves a a sort of challenge of doing of getting something out in 16 mm -hmm. weeks yeah so yeah. i guess in that sense there is <laughs> probably wasted about a week on writing this uh this manifesto for what we're not going to build in six weeks, 16 weeks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah. that's maybe failing a yeah. little bit already, but um, I don't, I don't know. I, I go back and forth on this stuff, right? We've talked about this, haven't we around vision, like a yeah. five year, 10 year vision. And if I'm totally honest, I'm quite skeptical on that whole idea, a five year vision, a 10 year vision, just through experience as well. It's a practical thing as in, I have written two year plans, three year plans. I've written one year plans in the past, which turned out entirely differently because so many things change so quickly. Mm -hmm. I can kind of think, I can imagine a point where a company can benefit from a 10 year vision that's so grandiose and, and kind of like far reaching and stuff that it inspires a big group of people. But I think when you're small, even when you're like, we're small, we're only, we're still less than 20 people. I think you can communicate a really sort of interesting, great plan for a year, for six months. In, fa in fact, we've mm -hmm. recently gone through a kind of six month plan for Alitu, which I found really inspiring and motivating because it was, we had a really kind of solid goal for it mm -hmm. um, around actually just implement like um, consolidation and customer delight. That's what it was all about. It was all about actually taking, we'd gone through a big one-year project around getting our hosting out. And then we decided that the ethos was to step back and actually mm -hmm. just implement a bunch of the little things that have been requested for a while just to delight people. And mm -hmm. I, I think I can see so much value in that and so much motivation in that, that um, it just totally overrides any sense that uh, when I sit down and think about writing a 10 year vision, I'm like, Oh, this is going to be so fluffy. Is it going to be actually mean anything to anyone? Yeah. But, but that could be totally wrong. That might just show that I'm a small mind thinker as opposed to a strategic, um, you know, visionary or whatever you want to call it. No, I, don't, I don't think you are though. I think you're incredibly practical. And I think that's, that's, <laughs> that's maybe it. that's yeah. how you get things done. <laughs> um, but it doesn't mean that you don't think about the big things as well and what it might look mm. like, but yeah, I guess it's just, priority i could definitely do with being a little bit more practical <laughs> I, th I think there's definitely a place for both I, yeah. I do still intend to put more thought into vision especially because we're kind of nearing the end of that six months so we do need to think about bigger again once we're out of that phase mm. um so there's definitely value in it but yeah I, i'm not sure i th i feel like a lot of people put more value on that than there sh than they should um but again i'm still learning most of this as i go so yeah totally we'll see we'll see we'll see yeah <laughs> now i think i think the future the future is good the future yeah. i'm excited yeah. i'll tell you one thing that i got out of the manifesto colin is you'll know you've known me for a few years now and you know i pay far too much attention sometimes to what's going on in, in, in the news and i stress myself yeah. out over these things one thing that that did for me is that i feel probably for the first time in quite a long time genuinely excited about the future mm. thinking about what could people actually use this technology for? How could it yeah. raise groups of people out of potentially out of poverty? Yeah. You know, how could it create jobs? And there's obviously a lot of discussion at the moment around it taking away jobs, but mm -hmm. I think um, I think the opposite is possible. So, yeah, 
I think it was That's cool. That's at least for that on a personal yeah. level. Yeah. <laughs> probably it's, worth it. Yeah, for sure. I, absolutely. This is the thing, isn't it? You're like we've said, you're playing. Like there's yeah. the, the if it, the benefits of this whole project might be nothing to do with creating a company. <laughs> they might be they might be otherwise altogether, like whether it's actually just a little kind of um 16-week fun project that actually teaches you a few other skills or just helps change your mindset or anything. Could yeah. It could be a load of outcomes. We'll find out. We'll find out shortly. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I'm up to just now. While I've been doing that, um, Ryan has been so he's built as an auth system for one. Mm -hmm. So they we're talking about the, the landing page analyzer. And um we we came across this bit of kit called Superbase. I can't remember if uh, I mentioned this to you. I've mentioned a few things to you recently, mm -hmm. um, and I've seen it talked about a lot by like kind of like indie makers and stuff like that on Twitter. But it's essentially Firebase, you know, the Google back back end as a service. Yeah. yeah. But it's open source, and they have okay. a they have like a premium offering where you can just pay them to kind of do it for you. But it's like twenty five bucks, and it'll handle databases, auth system, everything, and it's fantastic. So like, really? we're actually able to build that a lot, lot quicker than we thought we right. would. So if you are maybe like daunted by the, that's, do you know what, see of everything, that's what was, what I felt quite daunted by was how do you build an auth system that's not gonna, you know, just break when it's, it's people's data. User management, yeah. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, look at Superbase, because it, it just does it all for you. It's yeah, really, cool. really cheap, and the guys that run it are, are super cool. They're really sort of indie hacker friendly and procreation, which is always good. Excellent. Good stuff. Oh, um, skipping a few weeks of uh, hurdles there then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so next things for me is I am engineering prompts. I've actually got some really slightly cool prompts for sam for the for the for the kind of wider ai helper thing yeah, working, where it kind of creates a breadcrumb trail of what it's working on what the current task is what the current project is what the backlog is if the user tries to veer off topic um and then it will always come back on topic the only problem is that it's fucking huge and uh it off it gets out the context window way too quickly so right <laughs> <laughs> it's some more work but it, it's pretty cool yeah that's um, so what do you mean by that exactly that's so you're creating breadcrumbs as in it's it's keeping its like we talked about the kind of memory issue in the past mm -hmm. the fact that it kind of that's the main issue at the moment is forgetting what you've told it before so you're talking yeah. about being able to distill create breadcrumbs as in here's a couple of things we talked about before but they're summarized and nice and short so that they can be refed in a lot is that what you're saying yeah so um i'll share it with you um i'll share the prompt with you so cool. what it does is it adds a markdown table at the bottom mm -hmm. of every response and okay. it fills in just a few cells basically with what are we working on right now like what's the project what's the task and then one that just has a list of backlogged things um and there's one other table as well for something that i'm playing about with but it's essentially i'm trying to like copy and paste the context essentially yeah. okay. further it goes on i mean all it's really doing is simulating a database yeah. um because yeah. i'm hacking away at it just in the opening eye playground at the moment yeah. um but That's it's cool. uh yeah. it's quite okay. cool yeah yeah, yeah. 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 And and have you got anywhere with the idea of being able to actually access a real database? Is that is that progress at all? Yeah, yeah, totally. So it's one, as it turns out, one of the things that Superbase can do is it can run a vector store in a Postgres um, database. I think we use Postgres at, at Alitu. Yeah, but it's simply so, yeah. like old school SQL, but it, ha it has a plugin for 
for a vector store, which totally blew my mind because I didn't really even consider that. Um, <laughs> so again, this is one of the one of the things that Ryan's been working on at the moment is figuring out how can we get that up and running and yeah. combination of OpenAI's embedding API and the vector store and probably a traditional database as well. Um, we'll build to we'll build to get something up and running that has a long long term memory. You know, we've used it for nice. like the basic stuff that everyone else yeah. has, like yeah. like ingesting a PDF and asking questions or all that yeah. kind of stuff. But um, we've got an idea around a, a hybrid sort of memory model whereby you keep like a full record of a conversation of a transcript almost um, in a vector store, and you keep some variable pieces of information like um, it might be like a breakdown on who the target customer of a landing page is. It might mm -hmm. be your brand name, for example, like some some just sort of key things that are likely to either be updated often or need to be very accurate and very on hand. Like we don't want to yeah. accidentally get something that's related to the brand name kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. we're 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 <laughs> hacking away at how can we join together these two things. And again, I think actually with that Postgres plugin that we're looking at, yeah. we might be able to do just that. And it's probably won't be scalable is the only thing, but for our yeah. purposes at the moment is amazing. It lets us validate whether or not that might work. And it should do. So that's cool. Yeah. We'll see, what, yeah. What's a what's a vector store? Vector store is uh, it's a database that stores coordinates in a 3D space. So it will take so I mean I mean yeah a, a vector store is that but when you when you combine that with embeddings, which is basically turning in like parts of a maybe like turning a phrase into um uh i guess like a like a mathematical equation you might say um apples are blue and that'll that'll turn into one thing and put it into a place within this sort of 3d model mm -hmm. and then you might say apples are red and those two things will be quite close together within that vector store because they're both talking about apples and they might be close to some other things about color as well because they're related mm -hmm. yeah. so it's about kind of um, storing things in a way that almost simulates how we remember things, I yeah. guess. Kind of links it by an actual theoretical proximity in, in space. Like one of those big star map things you get, like um, sometimes you use 3D maps for concepts where uh, it's like lines going everywhere and all these little nodes with spokes going out of them all. I can imagine it kind of like that maybe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so suddenly you don't have to know, like, go to this row and this table and or, you know, search for this thing in this table or whatever. Mm -hmm. You can um, explore concepts rather than yeah. just like rigid structures. And yeah. that's that's pretty cool. <laughs> and I suppose when you're doing, I suppose when you're doing AI analysis or anything like that, there's not exactly black or white answers all here. It's just, it needs to be able to know what things are associated very closely, yeah. kind of closely, not really at all. Yeah. <laughs> and it makes it, it, it makes absolute sense that you have to do that in an actual kind of theoretical physical space. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. It's pretty cool. And yeah. there's some, there's actually some really cool visualizations as well of vector databases, which I yeah. always find really interesting. And yeah. it is that thing with the, you know, the red apple or the green apple, you'll, you'll actually see the proximity and the links together. And it, yeah. It, yeah. Uh, if you go to um, opening eyes embeddings page where they have like, mm -hmm. a, like a, like a paper on it, they have a model yeah. on there and they kind of break it down. They do a really good job of explaining um, the whole concept. It's very yeah. cool. Cool. Good stuff.
All right. Naming is the thing I want to pick your brains on today. We have an idea for our name, but yeah. first, I want to hear <laughs> how you picked the name for the podcast host and for Alan too. <laughs> well, uh, maybe what not to do in both cases, I'm not sure. Uh, so the podcast host was the one that came first, obviously. And uh, it was named the podcast host because I uh, needed a... I was using a podcast hosting platform, uh, will not be named because they entirely screwed up and messed up my uh, project at the time. And so I just really quickly wanted to build my own podcast hosting platform. And so I just was went on GoDaddy and typed in, right, is a podcast host available? No, uh, the podcast host. Yeah, that'll do. And I did that. And then I built a WordPress multi-site on it. And that became my hosting for my podcasts. And as associated with that, there was a blog, obviously, because it's WordPress. And so I just started writing some articles. Um, and that was how the podcast host started, literally as simple as that, um, with no real thought that it would turn into something that anyone more than me had heard of. Um, so it's, it's uh, we've discussed this many times. It's not the best brand name in the world, but even a crappy brand name can become valuable when enough people have heard it and know yeah. it. So and it's descriptive, and, which is actually yeah, quite useful. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So that, I mean, when you talk about names, like when we kind of, when we help people start their podcasts, we always talk about the fact that when they name their podcast, people always have this compulsion um, to come up with some clever name, something fancy and funny and something that shows their intelligence and makes people laugh or makes them curious or something. More often than not, that kind of name is terrible because it really doesn't help. It just confuses people. Um, it doesn't help them find the show. It doesn't explain what the show's about. And I think all of that applies to companies and products and everything. So yeah, a basic functional name that it's perceivably boring, but actually just explains itself immediately is almost always the best route to go, I think, in my opinion. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that because you're either introducing the the whole hurdle of having to explain what it is yeah, effectively or you're front-loading it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, with Alitu, for example. So that name came because of a domain I bought years ago for something entirely different. It was just a wee content site making a little bit of money every month and I bought it to run it for a while. Um, it got killed in a various one of the various Google apps um, I'll go updates, but I never sold it. I never got rid of the domain. So the domain was sitting in my uh, domain repository um, back when we were coming up with Alitu and I was trying to find a name. And the two I came down to in the end were I was going to go something functional, potentially something like the podcast engine or the podcast machine. That was kind of uh, along the same lines as the podcast host, obviously. Um, but I, I can't even explain the thought process around it other than that I kind of wanted something that would be a bit more uh, flexible because we weren't, the plans I had at the time, talking to longer term visions, eh? um, the plans I had at the time were definitely not only podcasting because you were required to think that way when you're taking on quite a bit of funding from a, a grant providing advisor, uh, provider. sorry. So I had to think beyond podcasting alone uh, and so with the podcast machine, the podcast engine doesn't suit. Um, and there just felt like there's a lot of value in a five-letter domain, for example. So being able to use that was really powerful. So again, there was no kind of um, really solid thinking around that, apart from that I thought that we could use a tagline to really explain what it was. 
So we often say Alatu, the podcast maker, or Alatu, the podcast app. And it's short enough that you can get away with that. Um, but it does have its downsides. It does have troubles, obviously. Um, not least that some people pronounce it in different ways as well. So there's a few other bad things about names. <laughs> yeah. So do you have something solid in mind just now then? Well, it's not exactly solid. That's gone a bit far, but it's our <laughs> favorite so far. One thing on Alatu though, I yeah. um, my first feeling of Alatu was that it was um, problematic because it is hard to pronounce. But the more that I've talked to people about it, yeah, they, they, they often say it, I guess, like in inverted a different way. wrong. Yeah. Yeah. A, dif a different way, yeah, <laughs> not the way that we pronounce it. But yeah. they can pronounce it, and it's often a, a conversation piece, which brings me swiftly on to our, um, our name idea. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so let me preface this by saying that we wanted to pick a name that would allow us to build many products under it. Mm -hmm. We don't want to build lots of brands we want to just kind of build one one place to, that we can create content one place that we can create little products mm -hmm. and maybe one day in the future create the big product the big the big thing that we talked about in our manifesto yeah yeah so the name that we've arrived at is soar but not exactly very trademarkable so there's a change in there mm -hmm. another Another thing that we wanted to kind of get in that came out in our in our um, brand mood board was a little bit of roots in Scotland, a lot about freedom, a lot about um, sort of like rebellion and all of that kind of stuff. There's a lot mm -hmm. of things about people. So um, there's a Scot there's a, a Gaelic word um, which is sayer, S A O R, mm -hmm. which could easily be pronounced sore, but Mm -hmm. is likely to cause problems because people will just try and spell S-O-A-R. Yep. So yep. the plural of Sayer is Seira with an A at the end. So it's Seora is really just phonetically how you would say it. Yeah. Okay. That's kind of the place that we've arrived at because mm -hmm. it ties together like this. Uh, well, let me tell you actually first, I don't know if you know, you might do already, but the meaning of of um sayer is freedom enfranchisement and unrestriction okay it's yeah. a term that talks about people rather than like something being free or you know it's um very rooted in people which yeah. which, which i really like and the plural is essentially we the we the enfranchised we the unrestricted so like mm. in terms of like our like the the it, i mean it's just that it can just be a name for mm -hmm. one yeah, yep. for two, it ties into everything really, and it's yeah, definitely yeah. our favorite so far. But yeah, it's problematic. So I wanted to, I wanted you to be the acid test. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't stick with sore because it's a cool word, but it immediately um, makes me think of um, the other kind of sore. Yeah, <laughs> sores. <laughs> yeah, uh, like yeah, but th no, that's cool. Yeah, I like that. I, I mean, there's there's a lot of power in a an actual story and meaning behind a word. Um, other people have found, remember, do you remember ConvertKit trying to rebrand at one point? No. Look up this story, but the short story is um, they got fed up with ConvertKit. They thought it was too practical. Although it's not really practical, I suppose. It doesn't actually say exactly what their product does. Yeah. But they wanted something a bit more aspirational and a bit more um, sour, I suppose, or alatu-i. And they went with, now I'm going to remember, what was it again? 
No, I can't actually remember what they went with. But essentially, it came out that the meaning behind the story, it was actually a pretty well-used word in um, a certain part of the world uh, and had very negative consequences, very negative connotations. Uh, and they had to redo the whole thing. Like They spent literally months, if not years, this whole rebranding exercise and had to recant the whole thing after a little while. Uh, having And they fought the battle for a few months as well, saying, that's not what it really means to us and all this kind of yeah. stuff. So the power of... A story can be powerfully negative as well, but I think the the other side of that is that it can be really powerful for it as well yeah. in the background. So that's cool, I, and and the kind of provenance of like um, the sort of Scottish background and stuff like that too. I th I think having gone through the whole journey with Ality, and you've got plenty of opinions on this too, I'm sure. I think it it was worth it is worth the downsides of it because it is so short. And memorable it is so kind of people make what they want of it mm. and once it's a harder battle to get it recognized but once it is i think it's really sticky yeah. um so and i think you don't get that with the practical one with the practical brand name mm -hmm. so yeah I, I like it i think it's cool, cool. I, I honestly thought you were going to hate it, Colin. So that's actually really nice to hear. My eyes are a little bit wet. Uh, <laughs> well, let me tell you some of the practical ones that we're working through as well. Yeah, sure. like, they felt like a good fit, but they just didn't. They didn't. They didn't do anything. They didn't cause any sort of emotion or like yeah. didn't get me thinking. Or I think the favorite practical one was Spark Lab. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which. I think works technically. I wrote mm. like a one of the other reasons for the manifesto, the short one that I that I, that I sent to you and that mm. I read earlier on in the show, yeah. was um, that I wanted to write the name in context and see if it made sense. Yeah. And okay. It just and it worked. It worked in the man. Like it worked with the story, with the whole, with everything that we're working towards and everything that we believe. But mm -hmm. it didn't cause me to. It didn't excite anyone. It didn't excite. So, like me and Ryan both looked at it. Um, Sof is my harshest critic in the world. Sof is my partner, <laughs> and she just said, "I, I, I like it a lot more than the last ones that you've told me." And there's been some shockers, but uh, I still don't really like it. And that just got me thinking: like, if Sof doesn't like it, then it's just not going to work. She, yeah, she really, she will. Uh, she will fight. <laughs> there's, like yeah, yeah, there, there's. There's a lot of, uh, what would you call them, Frankenstein words, names that are exactly that. They're just two slightly meaningless words stuck mm -hmm. together to make a partially more meaningless word more often than not. Yeah. I mean, I could almost like Spark Lab, I, I don't like because it actually does, it still doesn't, it's practical, but it still doesn't tell you what it does no. anyway. Um, whereas if you were, if you were like Market Lab or, um, market AI, market.ai or uh, assist.lab or you know if it was at least slightly related to the topic i think i'd be much more uh, amenable towards it mm. like i think that's that's my feeling is that's what it's got to there's two ends of the spectrum and you don't want to end up in the middle the middle is rubbish. One end of the spectrum is really practical, tells you exactly what it does, the podcast host. That's practical. So I, I'm fine with that. The total other end is it means absolutely nothing, but it feels quite um, aspirational. It feels quite kind of um, inspiring, all that kind of stuff. It, you, people can get, make their own meaning of it. 
and that's like Alatu or Saora. Is that you? yeah, Saora. Yeah. Um, and I, I, my preference would be uh, either edge, but certainly not in the middle. Spark Lab is smack in the middle. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'll, I'll um, <clears throat> I'll maybe edit in some of the really, really shocking ideas because we have Bad a ones. long trail of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, there always are. There always are. I think one of the one of the best stories around this. I'm not sure if you've listened to the series, but Alex um, Bloomberg's uh, story around naming Gimlet, uh, Gimlet Media. Have you ever heard it at all, actually? No, no, no. No, the, the startup podcast, obviously huge back in its day. Um, it doesn't run anymore, but it was all the whole story behind Gimlet. They got bought by Spotify, obviously, and how they came up with the name for that. And there was like all sorts of um, horrible names for that uh, and stories of him pitching it to his other half as well. You should listen. Maybe it'll yeah. resonate some things with you and uh, Sophie. Uh, but yeah, that was a really interesting story, and people still didn't like it. Like I still think it's a weird name, Gimlet Media. I actually one. quite like it. I, yeah. I, do you know why? I, I like the way it sounds on the tongue. <laughs> um, one of one of the things that I got kind of a little bit too deep into while trying to find a name was, and it's kind of like what you're saying: it either has to be super descriptive, or it needs to be um, completely made up and a non-word basic or or at least seem like a non-word mm. and i kind of got stuck in a loop of figuring out yeah but how do you make a word that sounds good because there are words that sound good and words that don't that are made up right <laughs> yeah um and there's this whole study i, it's, I don't want to insult anyone but it seems like a bit of a pseudo marketing <laughs> science um <laughs> I don't want to insult any of anyone but your your work is like meaningless <laughs> no, but I, but like there's a point in there i think it's just they keep it behind closed very expensive agency doors maybe um oh, yeah. so like the actual practicalities of it maybe aren't there but it's called sound symbolism and it's like the study okay. of like what do certain um what are certain syllables and sounds what sort of feeling what sort of meaning do they elicit in people hmm. it's really yeah. interesting and I don't know how to apply any of that to Gimlet Media, but it sounds Gimlet for some reason yeah, on my tongue. Yeah. feels good. I don't yeah. know why. Satisfying. It's like snappy in some way. Yeah. yeah. So that's maybe something Ooh. holding me back from Seora is it's, yeah. it's easy to trip over. And I'm not sure if that is acceptable. Yeah. yeah. And there are a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of different ways you could pronounce that probably if you see it. Yeah. Be worth be worth um, trying that though, getting it, writing it down and just asking a few people to see it essentially. Yeah. Yeah, we shall see. See how many. Yeah, and that's it. <laughs> that's it for today. So we're gonna okay. we're gonna live with that name for a little mm -hmm. bit, and mm -hmm. potentially, um, I mean, if we're gonna have it, we're gonna probably have to buy it before we put out the next podcast because we've got twenty yeah. whole listeners now, or something like that, Ooh, and they nice. might buy the domain from us. So um, <laughs> we'll have to do it by the time we put we'll it. Hold your hostage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, I saw that happen to someone on Twitter. They asked for feedback on um, a bunch of names that they were thinking. Yeah, and some bastard actually bought it, and it wasn't like a viral tweet or anything like that. It only had like really? ten or twelve likes, and then someone no. actually bought them all and Jeez. tried to sell them back. To him. Yeah, so I'm all paranoid now. <laughs> yeah, <I> wonder. <laughs> yeah, Poor cool. Boy. Okay, good to catch up. Thanks, Colin. No worries. Touch you soon. Hey. And that's a wrap for episode four. Look, I really want to know what do you think of the name. What do you think of the manifesto? What do you think about everything that we're doing and about this podcast? I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me on Twitter at it was Jacob, 
and pretty soon we actually should have a website that you can have a look at and when we do have it i'd love to get your feedback on that thank you so much for listening and i'll see you next time